everybody welcome back to the upside swing strap podcast the podcast with the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce Hendricks, joined as always by stone hansen and a little bit by ryan davis depending on uh, how busy his work is and uh today we have another special guest uh the great brendan nunez um here to talk about the sacramento kings uh brendan how you doing i'm doing good guys appreciate you having me on how are you i'm good i'm good i'm uh I'm hot. It's hot over here. Uh, but, uh, you know, hanging in there. Stone, how are you doing? I'm doing great. i um, really excited to uh, see what kind of directions and, and perspectives uh, Brandon has for us with the, with the Kings. So it uh, should be a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Kings are uh, perpetually like downtrodden franchise, uh, but they have some 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 pillars of hope. Uh, with uh, De'Aaron Fox and uh, Tyrese Halliburton now. Um, I'm still a big Harrison Barnes fan. Uh, so, you know, there's some interesting um, pieces on this team. So, Brendan, I'm going to throw it over to you. Um, what are their biggest team needs, uh, assuming they want to compete this season? And what are their biggest long-term needs for them to, per- to become a consistent playoff contender? Yeah, when you're just talking this season in the short term, I think um, a lot of that question revolves around what happens with Sean Holmes this offseason. And right now, unless the Kings clear some space, which I, I think they reasonably could do by dumping Bagley to a team with cap space. I've been saying OKC for a little while, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but if they don't clear space by trading someone like Bagley, Buddy, even Barnes into cap space, which is pretty difficult to do during the offseason, then the most they can offer Rashawn Holmes is about four years, 47 and his camp has put out that, you know, of course, he's looking for more like four years, 80 million, which I think is way too much. But I think, you know, it only takes one of, to me, the obvious ones are Toronto and Charlotte to offer more than that for Rashawn Holmes. And then all of a sudden, there's a huge hole at the center spot. Um, you're looking at Damian Jones, you're running Marvin Bagley there, Chemezi Metu, all guys that really should probably be third string centers. Um, so I think that's instantly where the whole um, starts if Rashawn Holmes does not stay, um, but which I think is probably about 60% chance he's gone. But if he does remain, I, I think that the, um, the main goal is another creator really on the wing. Um, and when you're talking long-term, I, I think they need another player that has all-star caliber. And really the only way to do that is if you're looking for someone in a disgruntled situation, which it seems like Monty McNair is going to be really active with trades Um and, you know, maybe there's a Ben Simmons sort of situation. I think a Miles Turner type guy is enough to kind of move the needle enough to where you're really talking about the playoffs. Um, but you, they're going to have to sit around and wait for another player that is, you know, that sort of impact level, a um, all-star caliber player. And unless you're getting it in the draft, which they're probably going to be sitting around this seed, um, it's not really going to get better than this nine spot. I think moving forward with Fox and Halliburton on the roster, um, you're probably hoping either to strike gold late mid lottery, or you're uh, looking for a disgruntled star in a trade. So I think that's the long-term need is really just more top end talent and short-term um, it revolves around Rashawn Holmes. If he walks, they definitely need a center. And if not, then yeah, they could totally use more wings aside from just Harrison Barnes. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. It feels like, you know, any team could use an elite wing creator, right? It's uh 
but it's very true with the Kings. They, it's something they have long lacked. Um, I think there was some hope a while ago for uh, for uh, uh, Tyreek Evans to be that and fell through and Bogdog Bogdanovich uh, fell through. And that that wing, elite wing, has, has really eluded them over the past uh, almost two decades. Um, but let's let's dive a bit into um, some players who, who to you sort of make sense at this nine pick um, who could maybe fill one of those two needs um, probably more likely to be the latter than the former but uh, Brendan who are the type of guys who you really like uh, in this draft for the Kings yeah I'm not going to be able to really look towards a guy that I feel like has a fair shot of being a defensive liability. The Kings were one of the worst defenses of all time last year. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, the scheme of Luke Walton being pretty poor, I, I think, for the personnel that they were running out there. But also, they just didn't have great defensive personnel. Um, I think Fox has ability to be a really good point of attack defender, and Halliburton showed a lot on the defensive end. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I definitely want a player that's going to make an impact on the defensive end of the floor and certainly not one that's going to be a weakness there. And the two guys that really stand out to me, you know, assuming Kuminga and Barnes are off the table at this point, which I would guess they are, are uh, Moses Moody and Franz Wagner. And I think Moody specifically to me is a guy that I look at as having a high floor, um, being a three and D prospect with a nice seven foot wingspan and some defensive playmaking capabilities, specifically off the ball that I think is really interesting while also having the ability to space the floor. And then I do think that there's a sneaky upside there as well with some of the shot creation that he's flashed throughout the year. Um, so I really like Moses Moody. He's probably going to be my favorite pick at nine, and I don't think it's crazy to think that he's there. Um, and then I think Franz Wagner, while you know I, I would like them to go for upside, like a Zaire Williams, Jalen Johnson, I think are interesting. Um, Franz Wagner just like really intrigues me. He's definitely one of my crushes in this draft. I think if you're trying to look at a guy where, you know, who's the most Halliburton-esque player where they're just extremely smart and uh, make good decisions on both ends of the floor more often than not, I kind of think of Franz and he's got more size to him as well. Um, so I really like his all around game there, especially at six, eight. So those are the two guys that I think I'm going to be preaching when it comes to pick nine. Uh, yeah, I, those are the two two guys I also have down. I, for a long time, I really wanted Scotty Barnes in Sacramento, but it just doesn't look that feasible at this point. Um, I could get into you know how how much of a how much it makes sense to move up or down in this draft later. But um, out of those guys, I, I do really like Franz a lot in Sacramento. I think he fills a big need on the wing as far as a perimeter defender. Um, I think personally, I have him as like the best perimeter defender in this class. I think he uses his length extremely well. Uh, like you said, he has a very high IQ uh, and knowing how to use his length and his physical tools really helps out uh, on the defensive end for him offensively too, even though that's a little bit of a, um, a uh, work in progress for him. Um, but I think in Sacramento, it, it, it sort of allows him to come along and develop um, on the offensive end where he's not relied upon to be um, so sort of high end level uh, scorer creator, which he's not at this point um, having Halliburton and um, Fox and even buddy and, and Barnes to a certain extent offensively takes a lot of pressure off of him. And he can really focus in on um, j just being sort of a perimeter defensive anchor for them at times. Uh, so I think that makes a lot of sense for them. 
And as far as Moody, I'm, I'm a huge Moody fan. Um, I, I think his defense gets a little bit overrated just because of the sort of archetype people seem to slot him in. Um, but I, I do think he's still an above average defender or projects to be at least. And offensively, he obviously uh, fits as a three-point shooter, um, as a guy who can sort of just feed off of Fox and Halliburton attacking and passing out to the perimeter, um, at least to begin with, and sort of work his way into um, creating his own shot uh, as we go along. Um, so th- I really like those two picks, and I think they both fit really well in Sacramento. Something I find interesting is, is, is how many people have brought up Moses Moody. As a, as a guy they like for their team. Um, you're not the first guy in this range. Uh, you know, Evan Zamir has brought him up. Like, plenty of people. Evan Mobley, just, or Evan Mobley, excuse me. Uh, Moses Moody just makes um, a lot of sense on a lot of teams. Uh, but specifically here in Sacramento, um, I think he he would slot in really nicely at that, at that uh, three spot. It would allow them to... Um, move Harrison Barnes down to the four, um, assuming he's, he's on the team long-term, um, which is, I think, the better natural position for Harrison Barnes. And it would also just sort of – it would just sort of give them a, a, a more steady core for the future, something they haven't had for a long time. Um, you know, they had their chance to pick that wing star that they sadly uh, passed on for Marvin Bagley. And – this is maybe the best chance they have to rectify it. Um, but I will say there are some other guys that could kind of make some sense here if they're looking uh, yeah. more pure upside. Um, you know, you mentioned Desire Williams. Uh, there's a, you know, he, he's been brought up plenty, but JT Thor or something like that. Um, Someone who, who I think might be kind of interesting uh, to maybe fill that, that first more immediate hole. And, and some people might see this as a reach for him, um, but is Isaiah Jackson. Um, Brendan, have you watched any Isaiah Jackson? I have actually not gotten to Isaiah Jackson yet, no. Uh, Stone, do you want to give a quick little Isaiah Jackson rundown and then uh, we can kind of get Brendan's take on, on your outside opinion of Isaiah? Yeah, so um, I'm not the hugest Isaiah Jackson fan, but I do think he makes um, a lot of sense for what Brandon said their, their biggest need would be in terms of being a center or uh, losing a center if Rashawn Holmes were to walk. Um, so Isaiah Jackson is like a 6'10 center. Uh, at this point, pretty skinny, but obviously everybody fills out in the NBA. Um, he's an elite shot blocker, I think probably um, outside of Evan Mobley, the best in this class, a uh, really good uh, leaper in terms of timing, uh, really good second jump. Um, th- there's just a lot. He-, he understands all the little nuances and micro skills that go into shot blocking and does them at a really high level. Uh, offensively is more of the concern for him. I'm personally a-, a bit more of a skeptic when it comes to that. I don't really see him developing the jump shot that some, seem to see uh, he has flashed uh, being able to kind of stretch out to the mid range here and there. Um, not really a believer in it, but I know some are, uh, but a- at least in the short term, like you're saying, in terms of needing a, a center to fill a-, a massive hole that Rashawn Holmes would leave. I think Isaiah, Jux- Isaiah Jackson does that well, just being an elite rim protector and sort of being the backbone of their defense, I guess. 
Yeah, I think that's a guy that does sound um, like he would definitely fill that hole for the Kings. I, I think that, you know, I'm that's part of the reason I really like the idea of Miles Turner chasing Miles Turner this offseason. Uh, elite rim protection is totally something that this team could use. They've struggled with uh, opponent field goal percentage at the rim for the last couple of years now have been worst in the league. So um, centers scare me a little bit because of uh, their uh, replaceability. And I think it's easy to forget that in Sacramento because they seem to keep on going after guys that are actually not replacement level centers like Hassan Whiteside and Willie Cauley-Stein sort of players. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a guy that's interesting. I think like Kai Jones will get con- some consideration. I-, I think there's yeah. definitely people that like Alperin Sangoon. Um, so I-, I think there are people that will ad- advocate for centers and to me, out of those prototypes, knowing Jones and Sangoon, and then what you said for Jackson, Jackson does sound the most intriguing. I'm also a guy that loves defense and haven't gotten to experience any over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, personally, I, I would lean towards some of these wing candidates a little bit more, but I, I think there's going to be, you know, 10 players really in consideration for the Kings at this pick. Yeah, I'm with you where, where I would lean closer to the wings. Um, I just think like Isaiah Jackson reminds me quite a bit of Rashawn Holmes as a, uh, as a prospect. So I think that, uh, you know, he's bet he's a better prospect than, than Holmes was, but in terms of sort of a, like a high end outcome, I think, I think uh, like Holmes is sort of a realistic comp. They're both kind of undersized, but really solid rim protectors and, and some potential mobility. Um but, you know, with that being said, you've yeah, mentioned Miles Turner um, and there's some other guys uh, who, who could maybe who could maybe make some sense. Yeah, here. Actually, so, oh, go ahead, Davis. No, I just I just wanted to throw one name out there, too. Um, I've seen it in a few mocks. He, he does fit the Kings well, in my opinion. Not the best defender yet, but he does have potential, which is Jalen Johnson. I feel like he kind of can fit that need too. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I kind of like Jalen Johnson there. Some people are lower on him, but. Yeah, J- Jalen Johnson is in. I don't know if you have you seen any of Jalen Johnson at this point, Brendan? Yeah, I think he's going to be a really popular name for the Kings at nine. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I've seen uh, just even among Twitter, like a lot of Kings fans seem to be really pulling for Jalen Johnson, uh, at least for the Kings to consider him at their pick. Uh, I, I think he is somebody who. It seems if they were to keep one of Bagley or Holmes, I feel like it's sort of a clunky fit um, just due to the fact that I'm skeptical that he ever shoots. Uh, and if he does, I think it's at least going to be, you know, two, three years down the line. So pairing him alongside one of those two guys, uh, I think sort of uh, relegates your floor spacing and, and puts kind of a lot of pressure on, on uh, your perimeter guys. Um that said, obviously defensively, he's going to help raise their ceiling a bit as a really strong defender, a really strong frame, switchable guy. Um, but I think offensively, it does somewhat limit you if you're to keep one of those two uh, between Bagley and Holmes. Yeah, I'd be surprised, honestly, if Bagley's on the roster next year, especially for the entire year. Um, and then, I, yeah, I think that, you know, the current position of the Kings. I think they have two really good engines in Fox and Halliburton that you can run most of the offense through. And I think they need defensive complementary players that um, are still capable on the offensive end of the floor. And I think like rim protection is a huge need. Jalen Johnson's really intriguing in that aspect. Um, He scares me because 
of the half court issues that you kind of talked about. And then I also worry that there's a possibility he's kind of a tweener on the defensive end in between a three, four. Um, but I, I do think that um, I, I could totally talk myself into the pick at nine because it's totally the type of like upside swing that the King should be looking at right now. There's only so many times when you're able to get this um, size and talent paired together. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm lower on Jalen Johnson, but you know I think playing with a player like Halliburton, a player like Fox, um, you know I wish there was a better coach there, uh, but I think that <laughs> could help. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that could help him like a little bit, give him a bit more of a, give him a bit more of an offensive structure, which is just something he hasn't had. He's he's been, you know. It, everywhere he played in high school, which there was stuff during his last year of high school and and all that type of stuff, he's he's yet to ever play in any like real structure, and I think that's really really hurt him. Um, here, if you know if, if if a better coach or even Luke Walton decides they're going to play fast, uh, De'Aaron Fox is maybe the fastest player in the league. Tyrese Halliburton is one of the best transition passers um, in the NBA. Like. I think he makes some more sense here. It's just, I feel like Jalen Johnson needs a super specialized context and a really good coach. And, and I worry Luke Walton is, is just not that guy. Um, but moving on here a little bit, uh, I wanted to hit on Brendan, maybe some interesting trades that could be made here. You brought up Miles Turner, um, but are there any scenarios that make sense to, you know, trade up or trade down? Or, or some other players you think the King Kings should look to add? Like what, what type of trades uh, with this draft pick kind of makes some sense? Yeah, I don't think trading down makes much sense for the Kings when you're talking, you know, what, like 19 and 21 from New York sort of thing, um, or 16 and 18 from OKC. I'm not really too interested. I, I think that there's going to be a guy. Um, I, I think, you know, my tier after the top six, um, breaks at about 11 or so before I reach a really big tier. And I think there's a good chance that the Kings can end up with one of Moody or Wagner. And I, I'm really excited about the fit of those guys compared to some others. Um, but I, I think it's pretty likely they're not even making this pick. I, I think they're going to, there's a really good chance that they end up trading it and they're definitely going to be active in shopping it. Monty McNair has been vocal about that. Um, he's going to try to build through trades and capitalizing on other teams being in desperate situations. Um, and I think Ben Simmons is a prime example of that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's in, if they are in those conversations. Um, I've been surprised to see the package thrown around being Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, this pick, and maybe one more in the future. Um, Cause that just didn't feel like enough for Ben Simmons for me. I, I think that Buddy Heald is a negative value deal, um, but you know, he does fit well alongside Joel Embiid. We're seeing what um, Seth Curry's able to do. And I, I think Curry's better than Heald, but um, Heald is undeniably an elite shooter. And, you know, that's the spacing that Embiid needs. I think Bagley would have to be like rerouted in a three and team sort of deal. More likely, I, I think it would have to revolve around Harrison Barnes. And that would leave a big hole on the wing. But I think that um, they're definitely going to be in talks about Ben Simmons. And then I also think that, um, like I mentioned earlier, yeah, Miles Turner has been my guy. I think that elite rim protection is something this team could greatly benefit from. He spaces the floor um, well, at least he's respected there um, for De'Aaron Fox, who's absolutely elite around the rim, obviously. And I, I think that deal would be something like Harrison Barnes and 
um, rather than this year's pick next year's like top eight protected sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, Pascal Siakam, if he potentially becomes available, I think that any name that, um, is seen as on the market this off season, the Kings are definitely going to be calling around for. And I, I don't think that it's a situation where the Kings are going to get desperate and like move the pick no matter what. But I, I think that they're going to be looking to move it before they're looking to just select someone here. That's interesting. So. I'll, you know, I'll ask you as, as a Kings fan, as someone more connected to the Kings, do you think that's the right thing to do? Because for me, as an outsider looking in, I don't see that yet. I don't see them as, as they're ready to put that all together, but you know, I haven't, I haven't followed the team day in, day out like you have. So do you think that's the right thing to do? And that's what they should be doing here. Or would you rather make the pick and continue to try and build up a bit of a young core? Um, I probably would lead towards making the pick, but I think the idea is, uh, again, like capitalizing on other teams being um, selling low pretty much. And it seems like that's what McNair is kind of trying to sit and do like the Terrence Davis deal, even though he's a weird case with his off court issues, obviously. Um, but DeLon Wright, they got for a second round pick when, you know, he's a decent NBA backup point guard, but it's just because Detroit was going to move him no matter what. And like, I, I think that, um, not moving on from Harrison Barnes when he had a reportedly pretty high value says that McNair is going to be patient and wait for the right deal. So I, I do think that it's the, it's smart to move this. If you are able to buy low on another guy that is like legitimately all-star upside, because I do think Fox Halliburton is a great core moving forward. Um, maybe you can get one of those all-star guys through the draft, but when you're talking this sort of range, it's pretty unlikely. Um, so, you know, it's kind of cliche, but as long as it's the right deal, I'm all for it. And I, and I trust McNair to be patient for that, at least. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, McNair, it's hard to, to make any receipts on, on a GM this early into their uh, tenure, but he seems to be, you know, an improvement on Vlade Divac at the very least. Um, not, not as that, not as though that takes much, but, uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful of maybe, a a new coach and, and with him, maybe some things could turn around for this franchise. Um, Stone, uh, do you have any, have any like NBA guys you think might be a fun fit here? Because I'm really like enamored with the, uh, the Miles Turner or Ben Simmons fit or uh, in the dream scenario, maybe both. I think that would be fascinating. It's probably impossible, but. That would yeah. Be. Um, it, it, that's exactly why I think we wanted to do this. It's really cool to get insight from somebody that really does follow the team so closely, like Brendan at the Kings, um, and being able to hear some of that insight. It It's hard because you don't really know who's going to be on the market right now. Um, I mean, obviously, there's whispers of, like, those huge names like, like Lillard and Beal, uh, which I'm not, I'm not entirely sure the Kings would be sort of in the running for, or if they'd even want to be at this point because of, their, their young core being uh, Fox and Halliburton right now. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to say because I'm not entirely sure this is going to be a very big um, market in the offseason in terms of who's on the block uh, and, and who's available for trade. Um, so, I mean, Ben Simmons obviously is, is likely going to, they're going to take calls for him um, and Ben in a, uh, Miles Turner, if they could get him in the offseason, would be huge, I think. 
Um, but outside of that, like off the top of my head, I'm struggling to come up with names just because I'm not I'm not really sure who's going to be available. Yeah, and when it's these top guys, um, it is going to be an issue. Like I, I don't think the Kings are putting the, together the best package in the league. Um, yeah. So I, I think it just has to be a guy that they really covet um that's not you know one of these absolute elite like dame um beal sort of things i I think you know it wouldn't surprise me there's like some smaller move like buddy healed for steven adams i I think healed um kind of writing on the wall it wouldn't surprise me if he's gone eventually he's clearly not happy with the bench role and halliburton's deserving of the starting spot um the kings could need a center if holmes doesn't end up um, re-signing this offseason so I think I thought a Horford healed spot made a lot of sense but not anymore after the Boston move I think Steven Adams makes some sense there um, so yeah I, I think the Kings are definitely gonna have their name thrown around a lot over the next couple of months and the, you know that's not something yeah. you hear super often so so it'll be it'll be an exciting little bit for for some Kings fans um, but the next question sort of on the docket here and kind of an interesting one um, and Brendan, I'll kind of I'll kind of let you interpret this however you want, uh, whether it be a trade or or someone they pick. But what are some worst case scenarios with what the Kings decide to do here? Uh, whether it be you know a player you really don't want them to end up picking, or uh, a, a type of trade that that you really don't like for them to make. It might be them trading for Kristaps Porzingis. Um, mm. That sounds like a pretty rough scenario. Um, I think that's the one trade that really scares me. Um, and then if we were talking to pick, I, I think if they went with um, like Corey Kispert, I'd be super disappointed um, going for one of the older guys in the draft. Like that would, would really disappoint me. I think I also, um, I could talk myself into Keon Johnson for sure, but I really hate the fit. Um, I think that, you know, on ball defense, when you're talking a three guard lineup is only so valuable and I'm really scared of his offensive game. Um, I think spacing is really crucial with Fox specifically. And if you're keeping Holmes on the roster as well. So um, I, I guess it's unfair to call Keon a worst case scenario, because like I said, I could talk myself into the fit, but I think like a Corey Kispert, Davion Mitchell would be worst case scenario when it came to the draft. And then Zing, uh, Porzingis, if we were talking a trade. That's, yeah, uh, uh, you know, Oh, go ahead, Davis. I, I was actually gonna gonna ring up Porzingis too. Um, I I'm not necessarily like a Porzingis fan. I do think he can be better than what he was showing in Dallas, but I don't think he's ever gonna be like an All Star or that type of player. But um, I can I can definitely see the the Kings making a move at him. I think if, with- if the Kings made like Buddy Hill to number nine for Porzingis, I would feel so bad for Kings fans. Even though Buddy's obviously on his way out, like that's just such a rough move. Like it, it's not the big trade that they need, but that's how the Kings would view it as, as that big trade bringing in a big name. Uh, and, and I don't think it would go great. Yeah, I I would agree that that's sort of. I think Porzingis is maybe a little. I don't want to say overhated because honestly, from if any of the off the court allegations happen to be true, like the hate is absolutely deserved, but like in terms of on the court, like I think he kind of got a little bit more hate for his play than it was warranted. I think it's sort of the Rudy Gobert effect where rim protectors are, are held to such a high standard. Um, but I will say that I, I don't like his fit here. 
mainly because I don't think he can play well in transition. And I don't think the pick and pop stuff is, is really what you need from a big here. I think the rich on homes versatility makes a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, and then it's another funny like correlation is you're not the first person to bring up Davion Mitchell or Corey Kispert as like a worst case scenario. And everyone wants their team to take upside bets, it feels like, or uh, upside swings. Um, so so it'd be interesting, but it's kind of, I, I am interested, like, like what makes you think those guys are the worst case considering you think they are stepping into a perhaps more contending role? Is it just your personal distaste for those guys or is it, is there something more there? No, I think that just, this is um, ideally, you know, the Kings are going to be better next season. So I've always viewed this draft pick as it needs to be the third piece of the core to Fox and Halliburton. Um, and, and maybe I need to shake that. And I thought they should have tanked harder this season. Um, even though I know people hate that word, but you know, Toronto was two spots ahead of them ended up with the fourth pick. Um, so I, I think that there is some validity to that, but I've always viewed this pick as like, it needs to be the third guy to Fox and Halliburton. Um, and I just don't think that I actually do like Mitchell. Um, but I, I think that his fit is really poor being just over six, one, six foot six, one, um, with Fox and Halliburton and then Kispert. Um, I, I just don't see anything more than a role player. And I worry that he is uh, potentially a negative on the defensive end of the floor. I, like, I, I think that he is just like a better buddy healed and you're not even sure that he's like going to be that elite of a three point shooter. You know, like I, I think he's going to be a really good three point shooter, but healed is on another level. Um, and while you're getting a lot more of a well-rounded game, I just don't think like he's a part of anyone's core really. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And that's that's sort of how I would view this pick too. Um, and like, you know, like I mentioned, outsider looking in, for me, it's a lot more of like, I feel like this is like the Kings really need to savor this pick and, and not necessarily look to move it because if you're, if you're stepping into contention, I don't think what you have right now is good enough to, to carry this team for the next decade. And I think you're asking to end up in a, I don't want to say Bradley Beal situation because of course he, he has ended up staying, but like that sort of, that sort of situation where uh, you're just, you can't quite put it all together around De'Aaron Fox, who is an electric star and it just all kind of falls apart. Um, but the, what's interesting about this draft is there are some guys here that could uh, perhaps be a legitimate third piece, especially if a Moody falls or, you know, like, like Stone mentioned, the dream fit is, um, is Scotty Barnes. Um, Cause I think he, he adds a certain amount of versatility that you don't have right now. Um, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting long-term question. Um, but yeah, Brendan, is, is there any other uh, Kings things you want to, you want to hit on while we're here? I really wish they would have jumped in this draft. They needed it so bad, um, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling that way. I was dreaming of Evan Mobley on this roster for months. Oh goodness. <laughs> uh, everyone should be dreaming of Evan on their roster yeah so. yeah all 30 teams should be yes um that's i'll say i think there's a lot of people really skeptical of monty mcnair already um you know not matching the bogdanovich deal i, I think it was really obvious at the time uh, not necessarily everyone but I, I know a good handful and myself included thought that it was um, pretty poor decision making to just let him walk for absolutely nothing 
And I think that that was proved this season. I, I think you could have flipped him at the deadline and I, I get it. You know, it wasn't his, his guy. He McNair was coming into a roster that had no flexibility. He wanted an ability to make it his own a little bit. Um, but I, I just kind of think that was a poor decision. And then standing Pat at the deadline. Well, I mean, I guess they acquired a few guys, um, but really made no difference. Um, you know, they still haven't clearly picked a, a direction. Like they're kind of just floating in this nine, 10 sort of spot. Um, and, it, and it's hard to argue that they're going to be higher than that next season. Um, so I, I think not really picking a direction. And then there's a chance this is a second off season in a row where you're losing a starter for absolutely nothing. If Rashawn Holmes walks, um, and you know, it was obvious that you were going to be faced with this decision. Like there was reported interest for him at the deadline. I'm sure you could have dumped buddy healed for like absolutely nothing. If you really needed to Harrison Barnes, obviously reportedly had interest. So I, I just think there's a lot of growing skepticism of McNair and whatever happens this off season is going to say a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, Oh, go ahead. Stop. I was just going to say that at some point, you, they do need to shape an identity, which I think they do lack at this point. Uh, your team needs an identity. And then from there, uh, once they have that, they can start um, the, the process of actually winning and making progress each season. And we're seeing it more and more with, with at least star players that if your team isn't making directions towards winning and, and getting better, uh, it's difficult to keep hold of those guys. It's becoming more rare and rare that these guys will stick around in losing situations uh, year in and year out. So even though Fox is still pretty young, um, I think the Kings need to make some, some sort of move to show him like, Hey, we're making, we're trying to make steps to build upon what we have and grow in, in terms of winning. Uh, because if they can't, I think they might find themselves in a um, precarious situation. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I, I, I question if it's if it's necessarily all Monty McNair's fault because every Kings GM from now for for the foreseeable future will have this this cloud over their head with the name Vivek Ranadive. Um, and that's sort of uh, it's it's rough to to have a controlling owner in the NBA. It just is um, Danny LaRue is famous for saying ownership is is the biggest comp- competitive advantage in, in the sport, and that's true. Um, but yeah, the, their lack of direction is really rough because it was, was it two or three seasons ago where it really felt like they were the most exciting young team in basketball yeah. and they were pushing for and, the, they were pushing and then they fired the coach. Yep. And they, yeah, they moved on, um, from, uh, oh, I don't, why is my brain not working? Was, uh, Dave Yeager. Dave Yeager. That's right. Yes. They've had um, a lot. So it's hard to memorize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Dave Yeager. Yes. And you know, now they're stuck. They're seemingly stuck with, uh, with, with Luke Walton, who has got to be a, now that, now that Scotty Brooks is fired, he's, he's got to be in the running for worst coach in the league with a job. Hey, Jason Kidd just got hired. That, Jason okay, Kidd just got hired. Yes. <laughs> We're not yeah, last. And, and, not. and um, McNair has now tied himself to Walton. You know, there was a lot yeah. of talk that, you know, they just didn't want to let go of Walton because he still has two years, 11 million remaining. Um, they wanted to hold on throughout this year um, that, you know, he wasn't getting the opportunity to move on from him. But now it's like this is you're, you're tying your wagon to Walton. And now it's McNair's decision and not just something left over from Vlade. Yeah, well, and that's something you see lots of time is is sort of the last the last desperation call for a struggling GM is they get to fire their coach. So not not to say that uh, he's struggling yet, but 
it's um it's worrying that that he's hitched his his horse to this wagon um you know we'll see where we'll see where it takes them uh the kings will be a really interesting team but it, it just it has this air of of that hornets limbo you know the hornets to me have always been the personification of this back when they had Kemba walker of just not good enough to to make a dent in anyone's in anyone's mind but not bad enough to uh pick players that are really going to change the face of the franchise um and that's that's a rough spot to be in but i'm hopeful you know uh De'Aaron fox is one of the my favorite players in the league to watch he's an absolute thrill um which is how he moves and and how he can affect the game um and you know i was lower on tyrese halliburton but i love to watch any player ball out and he 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 is fulfilling the sort of role that most envisioned for him as one of the best two guard passers and uh, interesting like full court facilitator bets uh, in, in the NBA. So there's some excitement in Sacramento, but uh, there's there's a lot of tension and it's all sort of walking this tightrope of of this particular offseason. So, um, Brendan, before we get out of here, uh, do you just want to you know let the people know? Uh, where they can find you, all your all your work and uh, and all that great stuff because this has been awesome. You've been an awesome guest. Uh, we love getting to talk to people from every team and and the Kings are interesting and you know you've made them all that more interesting. So let the people know. Plug yourself to your heart's content. Yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on. I had a good time in this conversation too. And uh, yeah, on Twitter it's just at Brendan Nunez NBA. It's the Kings Pulse podcast, and then all the written stuff is over at kingsherald.com. So. Just a bunch of sad Kings uh, Kings reporting over here. Hopefully not much longer. No, oh, yeah, they're not too far off. They have a I, I, Fox and Halliburton is a serious core, and I think Halliburton kind of um, really blew off my expectations of what his potential ceiling could be with some of the shot creation and making that he made last offseason. So I'm a, that's where I'm finding my optimism, my desperate need for optimism. <laughs> I, I never, ever thought in his whole career a Tyrese Halbert pick and roll would be an efficient play, and it was this year. So I think that that yeah. tells me that he's already made a leap. And, uh, you know, he, get, he gave you something to watch last year and something to pay attention to in the future. So we're hopeful for your sake. Um, but this has been great. Um, Davis is at Sports by Davis. Uh, Stone is at Report underscore Court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Uh, this has been awesome. We want to thank Brendan again for coming on and giving us his time and excellent conversation. Uh, follow him, read all his work. It's all excellent. Um, this has been the Upside Swing Strap podcast. Uh, we hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.